Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're here live on MockerRadio.com where music reminds me. You already know me. I'm RC. And alongside my guest, this guy was born in Finland. He's six foot four. Trained by Starbucks. Wrestled in seven countries. Different countries. Now residing in the States in Portland, Oregon. He's a former Finnish world champion. Finland's finest. Miko Maestro. Miko, welcome to Completely Damaged, man. Hey, RJ. Kiitos, kun sait minut tänne. Niin olen erittäin innossani odon tätä showta. Thank you for having me. Very excited about the show. Well, Miko, when you reached out to me, man, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like someone from Finland's reaching out to be on Damage, man. This is their first, bro. So thank you for reaching out to me, man. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. Very excited about the show. Definitely. So um, let's start from the beginning. Tell the completely damaged fans a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, so uh, I'm six foot four. I'm pretty much the tallest wrestler uh, from Finland. Uh, rumor says there's somebody who's been taller than me, but... All of you who remember Ludwig Borga from World Wrestling Federation was actually from Finland too. He was shorter than I am. But beyond that, so I started wrestling back in 2010. Uh, I started training because you had to be 18 to start wrestling. I would have loved to start earlier, but you know, uh, that, that's how it, how it was. You know, you have to sign the waiver and all that. And you're considered adult when you're 18 in, in Finland. So I started training uh, in summer of 2010. Uh, training took about nine months before I had my first match, and it was rough. It was rough, you know. I was surprised, you know, because I had played basketball for 11 years, yeah. and I nice. was thinking, like, you know, yeah, you know, I'm in pretty good shape, you know, I can do this, and I could run for miles. I could run like two and a half hours straight, you know, no problem. But once I ran the ropes for five minutes or so, <laughs> I remember I was exhausted, and you could see the bruise of my back. There was three. Three lines of bruises, you could see where the ropes were, you know, and I was like, oh, man, ah, you know, like, is this how it's going to be every day? But, you know, that's what I always wanted to do. And I, I like basketball, but I never dreamed of, you know, going to NBA or going pro in it. It's just something I did for fun. I, uh, ever since I tuned into wrestling, I, I was hooked ever since. So you've been competitive your whole life then, huh? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, that's. Okay, correct. so now, what got you hooked on professional wrestling? Was there a certain match or promo that you saw that was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching this now? Definitely. You know, uh, the first I remember the first time I saw professional wrestling. I also remember the first time I heard of it, which I had forgotten. I thought about it a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, man, that's the first time. So I can tell you both, man, if I had time for them. Definitely. So first time I ever saw wrestling. Uh, SmackDown came on Finnish television like early 2000, like 2001. They were SmackDown. And I heard about the show. I hadn't watched it. Everybody in school was talking about it. Like, there's this show where people are fighting and all that. And I was like, okay, okay. Like, I had watched some boxing and I thought boxing was okay. You know, I'm a big fan of Rocky movies, you know, but that has not much to do with the sport, actually. But So, so what uh, year are we talking about right now? Like, what year is this right now? Like a 2002. 2002. Okay. Because 2001, they came on television. 2002 is the... First time I saw, my, we had a new television. My mom was setting up the channels because back then you had those analog channels and you had to set them up. And she was flipping through the channels. And then there was a show. It was the moment when X Pac rejoined NWO because they had brought NWO back in WWE in 2002. And okay. I, I saw the moment that X Pac came back and my mom was just like, huh. Like she didn't approve the show and just flipped the channel. And I was like, thinking like what was that? Was that the show I was talking about? And my friend came over uh, to my place for a sleepover and so they had the shows coming up on Sunday, like late Sunday, so the kids wouldn't watch it. But uh, reruns of SmackDown, like SmackDown and Raw were on Sunday. 
and SmackDown was on Friday nights, the reruns. And my friend said, can you watch it? Like, he's a big fan of the show. I was like, sure, I've never seen it. And uh, first time I saw it, I was immediately hooked. Uh, I remember, like, theme song was by Marilyn Manson at the time. And that was one of those things that, as a kid, you weren't allowed to listen to Marilyn Manson. You know, like, so I, I already was thinking, oh, should we be doing this? Like, you know, is this, is this good? So there was weird tension going on, you know. Uh, and then the show started, and I saw the crowd going crazy with the signs on. At the time, I had a long hair, too, you know. Uh, now I'm, this is the first time I have long hair for a long time because of uh, the pandemic. But, uh, right. yeah, so I was sometimes picked on because of my long hair. You know, it wasn't very common in Finland in the early 2000s for, uh, I think I was like 10-year-old kids to, to have, you know, long hair. And those guys, it seemed like everybody had long hair. But, you know, Triple H, yeah. age, you know, you could look at Nathan, Chris Jericho at the time, you know. Everybody had a long hair. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, they carry it well. And then I was thinking, like, man, you know, those guys are everything I'd like to be. And the more I thought about it, I was like, what if I really tried? What if I, I, I probably could be, like, just like them, you know? Because, I mean, I'm just a kid, you know. The whole world is, you know, open, you know. Like, they, they got there somehow. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And yeah, so back in 2003, actually, uh, pro wrestling comes to Finland. I mean, the WWE had to come visit Finland. Like, I, I saw the shows, live shows and whatever, but actually, actual Finnish wrestling promotion started, which is very exciting for me, you know. It was called Valhalla Pro Wrestling. And uh, the head trainer was uh, Starbuck, uh, Michael Majalahti, uh, wrestling as uh, Starbuck. And, uh, he was a Finnish-Canadian who got trained in mid-90s by uh, former ECW, WCW, WWE superstar Lance Storm. So Lance Storm still trained Starbuck, and Starbuck moved to Finland and started doing it over here. And uh, Valhalla Pro Wrestling ran two shows. Uh, I missed the first one. I was looking forward for the second one. They had big names. They had like uh, Shane Douglas, uh, Sabu, AJ Styles, and uh, they had Book and Ice Hockey Hall. But I couldn't see the second show because we were at the summer cabin at the time. And I was a little kid, you know, so I, I couldn't like just go like, oh, I'm going back to Helsinki. I'm, I'm born and raised in Helsinki, it's the capital, and that's where they ran the shows. So, I, unfortunately, I missed the second show. So I was waiting for the third one. I was like, okay, I, I want to see the third show. And while I'm a pro wrestling, that's where we got to train. That's what I'm going to do, you know, become a pro wrestler. The third show never came. The company oh, went no. bankrupt on the second show because they needed to sell, I think it was up to like, 4,000 tickets and they made it to 2,200 or so and you know they were bankrupt and it was gone and maybe a year later or so this show called Pro Wrestling Finlandia started and eventually I heard about it back in 2005 I went to see it and it was a pretty good show I saw that was the first time I saw Starbuck wrestling I'd heard him on the radio and uh, he wrestled Steve Corino if you might remember him he was a ECW world champion and uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was a really good show. I, I enjoyed it, and then I was thinking, well, I'll get trained by Pro Wrestling Finlandia. Uh, a couple of years later, Pro Wrestling Finlandia goes bankrupt. So, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, but they felt that there's already a new company who's starting. We released the name soon, and it was called, I think it was back in like 2006 or 2007 when they started. It was called Fight Club Finland, FCF Wrestling, and uh, that's the one. That's the third Finnish wrestling company. Where I got actually trained, the same same head trainer, Starbuck was still there, with a couple of more uh, experienced wrestlers. Where um, there's three head coaches, that's how it worked, you know, at the time. So, uh, second one of them was called Heimo the Wild Man, who was very popular. He's he's toured in Japan and UK, and actually made it to WWE once. 
to cut a promo there. He didn't wrestle, but that's uh, closest anyone has ever been in the, um, the big leagues since uh, late uh, Ludwig Borga, uh, Tony Halman from New Japan Pro and WWE. So that's it. That, that, that's the wrestling story. I kept following the scene and the companies kept going bankrupt. But third time's the charm. That's where it was. That's where Mikko Maestro would eventually make his, make his debut. And because uh, I heard about the show like in early 2000, like 2003 or so, they were on TV all the time. It was a big promotion. It kept getting smaller and smaller. Every time they went bankrupt, it became a little bit smaller. But uh, the shows were good. You know, I used to watch them. Sometimes they would draw like, I think they had like 700 people once. They had. Wow. They even had the musician Alexi Laiho on it, who passed away a couple of months ago from Children of Bottom. They had like big stars, like Finnish Finnish celebrities on it, uh, every now and then. So yeah, it was it was very very exciting. Uh, I that started saving my money when I was a kid. Yeah. So ever since from Valhalla Pro Wrestling days, I heard somewhere somehow I can't remember where I got it from. They said that it costs three thousand euros to train to be a pro wrestler and. I think it's like 3,300 American, uh, 33,000, uh, 30, I was going to buy the numbers, $3,300, that, that's it. how it, uh, there you go. yeah, so that's 3,300, <laughs> so I started saving money when I was a little kid, every time I get like, a, you know, for my birthday or, or graduation, I would start putting bills, you know, in my room, I had like a hidden stash, and uh, I think I was about 15 or 16 at the time, and my mom found a stack of money, at it. I can't remember how much was. Uh, I think it was somewhere around eight to seven hundred dollars. The training ended up costing uh, for fourteen hundred, so thousand four hundred euros. Yeah, as and a kid, day, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I remember like when the day came, you know, I had that money, but when I was eighteen, so I had a couple of summer jobs and you know be, between that and everything. But yeah, so my mom found this stash when I was like fifteen, and she was like, maybe. Maybe just take this to the bank, you know. Maybe you should just have it, you know, hidden in a room. <laughs> and right. I said, but it's my wrestling money. Like, I, I gotta hold on to it. And that's the story how I opened my first bank account, which I still have to this day. <laughs> nice, <laughs> because, man. All because of pro wrestling. That's I'm awesome. off track a little bit, but, you know, it's just a tri- nice trip down memory lane for me. So, yeah, that's, that's how it is. And I used to watch wrestling, finish wrestling. 2010, I started training. 2011, I had my first match. All right, so, Miko, two-part question here. Uh... What was it about that, that, that show that you went to? Was it the crowd? Was it the entrance music? Was it the, what you saw on the ring that, that, that got you hooked? Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, it was the whole, whole concept, you know. I, when I had heard about it on Schoolyard, you know, and I'd seen a little bit on TV, uh, it's because, uh, so the first show I saw was on television, you know, um, and uh, I was a big fan and I was watching it every week. It's just something I've never seen before. It's it blew my mind in so many levels, and uh, it's I think it's just a combination of everything that we love. You know, I like you know action movies, and you know I like sports, and this was just like action happening live. I really enjoyed the in ring in ring promos and characters. More character, the better. I think like uh, like The Rock was one of my all time favorites. He was such a great you know such a great entertainer. Not just wrestling, but on the microphone too. It feel like oh this guy always knows spot on what to say and you know yeah and i liked like roddy roddy piper was one of my favorites you know just like i really enjoyed the i think it's the larger than life characters and you know at that age you can really expand your disbelief better than you know nowadays so uh i i kind of you know i i'd like to say i mean of course we always i believe in them and it, it is real wrestling is oh, when people say wrestling is fake i I like to remind you, you can't fake gravity. You know, it's like it's, it's more real yeah. than you think. You know, <laughs> so 
it's uh, I don't know it, it, uh, the character. I think it all comes down to character. It's uh, what keep me hooked on years to come. It was uh, all of my favorite characters were from wrestling. You know, uh, I enjoy TV shows. It's kind of like I watch Schwarzenegger movie. I don't care what the character is called. I, I watch Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the character. Yeah. It doesn't matter how they script it, Terminator or whatever. I'm watching Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, that's the right. person that I'm looking at. Whether it's at. Kindergarten Cop or Terminator, you're all about... It's all about, all about him, you know. That, that's it. And that, that's how I feel, you know. Even to this day, you know, when I go see uh, The Rock's movies or something, you know, it's like, I don't really care if he's the Tooth Fairy, you know. He's The Rock, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only adult in there, little kids. I don't care. I like The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> So now, the second part of the question is, how did your mom take all this, especially when it's getting bankrupt and then bankrupt and then her son wants to be a part of this? Is she like, no, Miko, no, no. Or what's she thinking? My mom always thought it's just a phase and it's going to go over, you know. And it's like, the wrestling went off on Finnish TV, I think it was from 2008 or so, and it came on those channels that you had to pay for monthly or so. And she thought that we were going to stop watching but me and my brother started paying for a channel so we can keep going, you know. <laughs> and right. it was pretty cool because they started showing the pay-per-views at the time too. And uh, Eurosport started showing TNA wrestling. So I could see like multiple shows. Eurosport 2 started showing New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, but you know, I'm getting carried away again. So uh, yes, my mom is a doctor. So she was not a fan of wrestling. She always, and she didn't want to see me wrestle and didn't like it. I always thought that one day I'm going to quit, you know, and you know, it's not like, when I start training, you know, it's going to be too hard, you know, he's just going to quit. And now, 11, 11 years later, you know, it's still still here, still doing it. So, and actually, my mom ended up going to start start seeing my shows and she became a big, big fan, although she was always worried. Uh, the first show she came was, I was in a newspaper. They were making a story about FCF wrestling. And then my mom saw it and her co-workers saw it. And they were saying, oh, so this year kid is doing wrestling, like he's a big star, he's on the paper and all that, we have to see it. So her co-workers were going to go see the show, and then she just couldn't say no. She said, okay, I'll go see one show, I'll go see one match, and she was hooked ever since. She, was, she came there, she just sometimes she has to look away, she can't stand the violence, but you know, yeah. Right. She's a big fan, she bought the shirts and everything, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So Miko Mania is running wild right in your own home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And my brother is my biggest supporter. I have a brother who's two years older than me. He has a heart disease, so he could never do sports himself. But, you know, he's he's a huge fan. You know, he cried when I won the belt. You know, it's, it was very emotional. It's a good day. And I remember when I won, won the Finnish championship, uh, it was in walking distance from my childhood home. So we took the belt and we walked on, a, on this local bar and it was good. There's a lot of friends and family, you know, over there. My friends lift me up like I won the Super Bowl, but the ceiling was pretty low, so I ended up hitting my head. You went through the roof. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So yeah. what, what inspired you to pursue it? You know, you said it was the crowd, it was like the, the characters. What made Miko be like, I can do this? Well, that, that's an excellent question. I guess... Uh, you know, I never really doubted myself. I was like, if I put my mind into it, you know, I'm going to succeed. And that's just, uh, I guess you need to find something in your life, something to go forward, something good to try for, because uh, I was pretty good at school and all that, but there was not a career path that I would be like, that's my that's my life's fulfillment. That's that's what I want to do. And that's, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it was rough. And honestly, I thought building muscle was going to be easier. I was thinking when I get older, I'll get it there. I mean, yeah, I'm in pretty good shape, but you know, I'm those guys that I saw, 
I mean, I yeah, I think we all know the truth from both of the guys that maybe they oh, yeah. were on something, yeah. but you know, still, uh, I really didn't, especially when you see guys like Hulk Hogan saying like, eat, say your prayer to eat vitamins, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna be checked yeah. like him. And now I doubt that I ever be. I don't think that's gonna have the genetics for it. Which doesn't matter. You left out an ingredient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's maybe it's good that there's only one Hulk Hogan and one one The Rock. You know, because I'd rather be the first me than be second somebody else. And I think that's the great thing about wrestling. You know, uh, going traveling the world as Mikko Maestro. You know, because just me pretty much portraying myself. It's being caricature of myself and yeah. Uh, how I'm feeling at the times, how I'm going older, how I'm seeing the world. So, um, I, some people might think I'm a pretty funny guy and smiling, you know, and especially when I go to the ring, you know, it's it's just good times because the spotlight is on me, you know, I can feel like, I can, how do you say, take some weight off my shoulders, just be like, okay, like now it's, now it's more, like I cannot walk around in spandex on the streets, you know, and not even in Portland, Oregon. I mean, now it's too cold for it, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So in Finland, there's only one school, correct? Indeed, yeah. Talk yeah. about that competition, man. Like, was there a lot of people that wanted to pursue this business in Finland? And what was what was it like? Was, was it easy to trust people, knowing that no, no one's going to stab you in the back, wanting your spot? Talk about that, man. So that's the thing. Uh, we had about 20 wrestlers at the time, and we had the tryouts once a year or sometimes every other year. Uh, there usually came like eight people eight to twelve people maybe five people it's a bad year and like two or three end up graduating that's that's just how it goes you know people come it's like a watching a horror movie you see all these overexcited kids coming in and you know only a couple survive at the end you know <laughs> they just keep disappearing yeah, yeah. one by one so but the competition well you are fighting on the spot to be on the card for sure because there only shows once a month or twice a month if it's a bad year it's every other month uh, for those who don't know, Finland is uh, about the size of California, but there's only five and a half million people living there. And most of them live in the capital, uh, Helsinki. There's like 600,000 people, if I'm correct. So most of our shows are running in Helsinki. And those are the shows that draw good crowds, like two, three hundred people at least. And then we might go to other big cities like Tampere, which I think it's like 150,000 people. And we can run a show on a bad night, there might be 40 people there. And you have to bring the wrestlers, the ring and everything, you know, and uh, yeah. sometimes we had shows all the way up to Rovaniemi, which is in Lapland. So that's like, what, nine hour drive. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, uh, the, the word really is when you go to smaller towns, they don't really understand wrestling. So we tried to bring it there. That's why we kept going back, even if it's not good for, you know, the business. And uh, that's why they always want to choose the cream of the crop, because you have to win the crowd over, you know, so they rather pick people who are wrestling for years, you know, just to make sure that, you know, it's going to be a, going to be a good show. Uh, there's a, uh, I don't want to go too much on detail on the locker room atmosphere, you know, cause uh, I had a great experience, but I had some really bad experience too, but uh, I really try to always stay positive and life goes forward, you know, and um, right. so, but the, when it gets tough, it's when you want to wrestle outside of Finland, because yeah, if you wrestle in Germany, you can drive everywhere. You can drive to France and Portugal, you know, it's all connected. Finland, unfortunately, isn't. It's connected more from Russia, you know, like from the eastern side. But you need a visa to go to Russia. It's not part of the yeah. European Union. So you can't really drive through it just to go to other countries. Uh, if you go to Sweden, it's connected all the way from the top, 
from Lapland. So you have to drive nine to ten hours there and then drive through all the way through southern Sweden to get to Denmark. And I, honestly, I don't think it's connected. I think there's a bridge there, like long bridge that you can cross over. So in Finland, you have to always get uh, you have to fly somewhere unless you're wrestling in Sweden because the boat goes there. One time they booked uh, four wrestlers in the same boat because it's so much cheaper. One room, four wrestlers. It takes a day longer, wow. but you know you might as well. You know, <laughs> you know. So yeah, so that's where it gets tough. You have to like how you promote, how how you carry yourself professionally to impress the promoters, and you know, like if they can get people driving there, you know, easier from countries like. Germany, where wrestling is huge, and there's people that are already known. That's a funny, actually, one funny short story about that Germany thing that I can tell you later, and uh, it can explain you maybe the the booking scene a little better, you know, how it was. Nice. Um, but yeah, so first time I got to wrestle is uh, outside of Finland, was I think it's 2013, like December or November. In Denmark, they had a Tatanka tour, so they had brought WWE Superstar Tatanka to be the main draw. And they had three shows, and they needed more wrestlers. They need because they didn't have enough. They're gonna have big, like the first ever Royal Rumble in Denmark. They didn't have enough wrestlers for it, so they brought wrestlers from Germany, wrestlers from Finland. They had a couple of Swedish wrestlers, if I'm correct, a uh, couple of Russian wrestlers. So that's the chance they booked. I think there was four of us, four or five Finnish wrestlers who who wrestled there for the, on that three day three three day tour. So. That's the thing, it was like supply and demand, because they need a whole bunch of wrestlers at once, you know, to fill the yeah. tournament. So that was my foot on the door to get to Denmark. And I ended up going back to Denmark two or three times more in my career. So that, that's good. And once you wrestled somewhere else, it's easier to say like, oh, I've been there and you meet, always meet somebody who knows somebody. And, you know, uh, it's hard hard once you uh, to get, get out of there. And once you get, you know, then it starts opening doors. When I won the Finnish championship, it, you know, there's uh, immediately, I think it was like three or four months after that, I was wrestling in Switzerland and Netherlands, so where I had never wrestled before, because the interest was there, you know, like, you know, they can see you with yeah. the belt, they can see that you're making it, and then they see that you're legit, you know, if you're the champion of that country, you know, and there's something they can advertise for the newer crown, like this guy is the former champion, he's the current champion, you know, so... So you're your own, in this business, you're your own businessman. Was it hard for you to be that person, that type of way? You're outgoing, so, you know, it must have been easy to get people to love you. But talk about, like, you know, selling merch, making sure you're going on a right tour, making sure that promoter's legit and not going to uh, screw you over. Talk about that, man. Was it easy for you to transition to be your own manager? Uh, not at the beginning, you know, I... I almost got a couple of really, really shady deals that I'm glad that I backed out of, you know, because a lot of times you're talking to people over uh, the internet, you never met them, you know what their deal is, you know, and you're talking about like how that communication is going to be at travel and all that. So, because you want to take all the all the matches you can, you just want to like go there and do it, you know, because that's what you want to do, you want to wrestle. And also you want to you wanna learn, you want to experience, you want to meet people, you want to, you know, <laughs> brand yourself. Uh, so... Uh, in Finland, it was, it was easier. In Finland, when I had my first singles match, there was about 130 people there, 150 people, around that scale. And 40 of them were, were friends of mine. Because they always heard that I wanted to be a pro wrestler, so they came there, you know. And uh, 
they showed my promo, like I made a promo for YouTube and they showed, you know, on the big screen. And my, of course, my friends go crazy, like, oh, that's Miko, you know, and they were like yelling and going crazy about it. So I made a good, very good first impression there, you know, like the, the car, and when the promoter of Finland heard it, uh, oh man, this guy, this is, uh, there's something on it. And he liked the promo too, because I made a couple of jokes in the promo, because I was thinking, like, how would I stand out? How can I, people who have never seen wrestling, because in Finland, a lot of people don't know that there's wrestling. So I was thinking, if it's funny, then they must show it to their friend, you know, like, hey, this guy said this thing and that, what, what's up with this yeah. guy? Uh, so that's how it got around. And the promoter told me that you're much better talker than you're a wrestler. Because, you know, I had just started, you know, and um, I wasn't like natural wrestler, you know, it took me a while to course, get yeah. going. But he always told me, like, so you're, you're sticky, so you have to always do a promo. That's the thing, like, you do a promo and... Then the, the ratings, if I could call it ratings, views were, you know, high enough that it stood out too, that there was like, okay, there's, you never really know if the people actually come to the shows who watch it, but if they've never seen it, there's zero percent chance they ever come. If they've seen right. it, they might consider it, they might come. So uh, that's something I kind of got the hang with back there. I felt like, so I wouldn't sink, you know, I, so I could like stay in this puddle of a Finnish wrestling scene. I had to like come up with new promos and try to figure out how to get more views on it and uh, like well, I, I was watching them myself and then figure out what's the stuff that they like luckily on the comments you can see the, the parts that they like they usually like quote there like oh like like yeah. it became my catchphrase in the first promo I said like they had then the venue had gone uh, through what is ruination uh, construction so it had been turned down and rebuilt so right. and, and the promo I said that oh it's a uh, this venue which has been redecorated or it's great. It looks good, just like me. The women know it, and people were going at women know it thing, and I ended up putting that on my on my T-shirt and saying on every promo. I didn't think it was a big deal on the promo when I said it, but it caught on, right. so I had to run with it. And since my name is Mikko, and classic is in Finnish classico, and it rhymes, so I was going to say the match will be Mikko classico, and then nice. because. Like I said, I wasn't that good in wrestling, so I, I think I lost my first 11 matches or so in a row. <laughs> so that the fans thought, oh, that's another Mikko Classico over there, and this guy loses in less than five minutes. That's that's the Mikko Classico. It's not like a joke. It's uh, I was more like a comedy wrestler, if you may, in the beginning. It's like I said, even the promos were uh, mostly about the laughs too. You know, so, so you go off, you go off of what the fans like. That's how you make your T-shirts. Yeah, that, that's okay. it how it is, you know, you have to like, read the room, you know, and, and see, and the shirt sell, sold so well when I eventually got them, I ran out of some sizes, and I printed like second patch, and then it didn't go as well, because, well, I mean, the fan base isn't that big, so when you sell 20 shirts, I think, oh, I can sell another 20 immediately, and then you just end up selling like four, and you're like, oh man, like now I've got a pack of shirts, but the good right. thing is you have them, so whenever people come to the shows, they can see them there on sale, like, oh, like Mikko, like, him. Friends of mine who had never seen wrestling, they immediately think like, oh, this is bigger than I thought, like his own merchandise. We even had those, for Mexico, we had Mikko Mastro, like toys, you know, plush, plush dolls, you know, like teddy bears. So, yeah, and, and those sold out in a year. When I got them from mail, and I was, it was a pretty expensive deal getting, you know, imported from Mexico and all that. And then people were excited, it got like 100 likes on uh, Facebook, and okay, this this money. I go to the show and I sold three dolls and I come back and I have over 20 of those with me and I'm like, oh man, I have to sell like at least 14 more to make it even. Like, he's this terrible. But at the end of the year... She dolls of yourself just staring at you before you go to bed and you're like, what did I just <laughs> yeah. do? 
<laughs> so I feel like I'm in a bad business decision. But you know what? End of the year, they were so loud. People keep asking every now and then if I still have them. And I say no, and I never will because I remember the risk. I remember the feeling going home with $22 myself being like, I don't think it was a good idea. But yeah, I, I don't say I have like a touch of midas, you know, everything I thought becomes gold. But you know, you have to try something. Uh, I made Mikko Maestro underwear because I was thinking like, it's. I think it's funny, you know, like people see it and women know, you know, and then I had that Mikko Maestro underwear yeah, right. sale. And those sold out. And I was like, you know, but you have to also know that you don't order 100 pairs of underwear immediately. You, know, you have to buy right. a smaller portion and see how it goes. And eventually it's going to sell. You have to have faith because I didn't plan on retiring the first two years or so. You know, so. Right. Like what we do is on damage, we, uh, I bought a cricket machine. So I'll make the shirts as people ask for them. So then I'm not buying because I, I would buy in bulk before. And then, you, like you said, you have so much in stock. You know, or like they don't yeah. want a small, they want a large, you run out of larges, but then you still have the smalls all. So, but cricket machine now, my wife and I, we make them as people want them. So, or they're like a face mask that says damage on it, everything like that, just trying to get creative and, you know, yeah, go with smart. the times, like go with COVID, go with everything, just roll with yeah. it. Yeah, you know, because I don't think the face mask was sold two years ago, you know, but now, you know, right. I can imagine you're making big bucks there, you know, because everybody's doing trying. it. You know? so, before Definitely. that, just once a year in Halloween. Now it's every day of our life. You know, you never know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, man. So let's go back to the beginning, man. Describe that first bump that you had in that ring. What was the adrenaline like? I know you mentioned the hitting the ropes, man, and and not feeling so great. Talk about that bump. So uh, I don't remember if I remember the very first bump. I remember how I felt when I came from the practice, and I was surprised how hard the ring was. And I had no idea how wrestling is done. I I never like look into internet or even maybe thought about it. I, when I was in high school, it wasn't the coolest thing to watch wrestling anymore. And a lot of people thought like, why, why do you still watch it? Like you play basketball. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's my favorite TV show. So as long as before I find something better, I keep watching this one. Thank you. And I never thought how it's done. I never cared how it's done. And then I was really surprised about some of the stuff we did, including, you know, the first bump and how rough the ring was. And after when I went home, I had a big headache. I had a headache for the rest of the day. It was my first practice. It was three hours long. And I was thinking, is this gonna be is, is it gonna be like this for the rest of my life? Like every time, every weekend to go into training. So Sunday, it was two-day tryout weekend. So I entered to practice Sunday and I felt better. Like overnight, you know, the headache was gone. And after that that second practice, I didn't have headache anymore. So I was like, maybe some days there are when my head doesn't hurt, but I do remember there was something had gone wrong with the bumps and like I just had a headache. I, I luckily it was nothing serious, but my head hurt for the rest of the day, you know, until I went to bed. So and I couldn't tell my mom because, you know, I mean, she wouldn't let me go back there. So Right. Yeah. Because she's already she's already knowing that it was been bankrupt twice. That's all you need to find out you have a headache and she's a nurse. Yeah. So immediately she's going to be like, no, no more, Miko, you know? Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, I don't remember the very first bump. I remember like the practice, and I remember how it felt after the practice. But uh, right. and at this time, Starbucks training you, correct? Yes, yes, indeed. So so Starbucks now tells you, Miko, you got your first match. Talk talk to us about that first match. Who was the opponent? The attendance? What was your theme music? The outcome? How'd you feel, man? So uh, uh, first match I ever had was we were gonna have a. Uh, 20-person 
Spring Rumble, a Rumble match. And then Starbuck told me that that's where I'm going to make my debut, because we're going to need all the wrestlers to fill up the spots. You know, we were a couple of old wrestlers who had retired were going back just for that match. And I was excited. I was like, oh man, you know, like I ended up being in the ring for only a minute, but it didn't matter. You know, that's that's the thing. You know, it's going to be in front of the crowd. You know, I didn't tell anybody because it wasn't advertised. So I was thinking it might be a surprise or whatever. So I didn't want to like, I didn't want to fail my spot. How do you say it? Like I, I wanted to do a good job. Yeah. Before the match, I heard that we we're going to have a next show. This this show was in Järvenpää, so it's like hour away from Helsinki. But the next show was going to be in Helsinki, and we had a old wrestler coming back who was like the crowd favorite, Ville Tuho Torvinen. And I was going to be the opponent for him. So before I even went to the Spring Rumble, I knew there's something more coming, which is great, you know, like, because I didn't do a promo for this one. I Like I said, it's going to be like a surprise or whatever. I went there and I wanted my team song to be The Offspring's Self-Esteem. The Offspring was my all-time favorite band. And I thought The Offspring has a catchy tune, you know, when it starts and, you know, then I told it to the music guy, and he said, that's Daniel Bryan's theme song, you can't use it. Uh, mm. or, or Brian Daniels was the theme song. And yeah. and then I said, okay, and then we thought about it, and, he, and you know, he was like, well, you know, why don't you put Pretty Fly for a White Guy? That's a popular song. And at the time, I didn't realize how well it matches. You know, I, I've been using that song ever since, and I even got the tattoo 31. For those who know the lyrics, it goes, he's getting a tattoo, yeah, he's getting it done. He asked for 13, but they threw a 31. So nice, I, I mean... How I realized how it went on with me and, you know, like my persona or, or character, if I may. Just just this guy, you know, who maybe doesn't take life too seriously. Like, is, you shouldn't take him too seriously. You know, he thinks he's yeah. like, I thought I was the WWE champion. I mean, maybe I need to have ego for it, but that's what I was going for. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be great. You know, even though I was I was terrible. I was terrible at the very beginning. You know, I could barely do a body slam. And when I started, you know, I need a couple more years to catch up. So that's that's how I got the theme song. I remember like the first match was coming and I was waiting for my number uh, uh, on the Rumble. I can't remember what, what I was. Maybe I was like seventh or eighth there. And once I get in there, I go to the curtains. Some of the fans recognize me because what we used to do is people on the training, they come to set up the ring and they help out to the show. So I used to be a cameraman on the side of the ring. So the fans who come to every show and see me on the front, you know, they saw me. Oh, that's the cameraman. They were like laughing. They oh, they had to put the cameraman there to fill up a spot, yeah. you know. Who called so, out? Yeah. So yeah, that 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 was funny. I, I mean, it was great because there was a reaction, you know, because they were like, oh, this guy, you know. And then uh, Miko Maestro, the name actually, I wanted to be Miko Monaco because I was thinking uh, my Finnish last name is pretty hard to pronounce. Yeah, internationally, that's the rolling R in it, and this letter A, like it's A with the dots, which you don't even have, you know, over here in the States. So right. I wanted to make something more global. So my friend's Nick, uh, my friend's last name was Monaco, and I was thinking I'll steal it because it's fine. Like Miko Monaco, I like his ring to it. That's a good one. Yeah. Then I was thinking other options, and one day I thought about Miko Maestro, or if you say it in Finnish, Miko Maestro, and it didn't sound that good. I was like, uh, you know, I mean, Maestro, I think it's okay, but. But I couldn't, I never forgot it. I never forgot the name. I kept thinking about that name. I was keep going back and back. I was like, if I remember the name, maybe somebody else will too. And I right. told Starbucks, that's my name. He's like, oh, that's a good name. Let's run with that. You know, so <laughs> that's the story of my name. That's the story of this theme song. And the very first match, uh, when I came out of the ring, you know, I was so hyped. Uh, many times, you know, throughout my career, I can't go to bed after a wrestling show. It, it takes me at least until 2 a.m. because that run is still, you know, after all these years, still still there, still running, you know, it's the 
best feeling in the world, you know. Nice. So, so at that time I didn't really sleep. We were going, we have had a next show, I can't remember where it was, the very next day, somewhere out of Helsinki, and I was doing camera back there, so like, it was, after the debut, I went back to the camera for one more show, and then I had my singles match debut later, but, yeah. That's awesome. So, um, what are some of your favorite highlights in your career, um, and also talk about wrestling your trainer and beating him for the Finnish Wrestling Championship, man. That, talk about that feeling, be, beating someone that has that much trust in you. To give you the title that's definitely one of the highlights of my career i think that uh, if i can bring like three top things in my career there's so many but i i mean i don't know if you can really rank them but from top of my head so first time wrestling here in the states was in 2015 and i wrestled in uh, big promotions um, i don't know if you heard of them down the west coast in california in oakland they have a show called hoodslam which is pretty big they have like a a lot yeah. of video game characters there, like Street Fighter, Ryu and Ken. It's a different kind of show. It's every, every, every time it's sold out, you know. It's uh, but the crowd is. It's not all just wrestling fans. Just regular people come and watch it, like video game fans and so. And I had a match in All Pro Wrestling, and I had heard of All Pro Wrestling from this documentary Beyond the Mat. You know, when I was a fan, so it was a big thing for me to wrestle in All Pro Wrestling because I had heard about it. That was my first tour in uh, in the states. I wrestled seven matches during that two weeks I was here, three weeks. So that's right. definitely was a highlight for me. Uh, I'd like to go more in detail, but I think I have to get going. So after I came back from that, I was wrestling Heimo, the wild man, who was the secondary coach of mine. And he wanted to wrestle me. He wanted to wrestle me for a whole year, like do a, do a like a whole program from it. Because he, he saw potential. I had been wrestling for like four and a half years by that point or something. And I wasn't like, Top superstar. I was like, like more like mid card, lower mid card guy. I was always the funny guy, like the you know comedic relief of the show. But he was like, yeah, you know, he liked the crowd reaction. He think that that there would be something more. So we wrestled for a whole year, and uh, uh, we had the first match where I got cut, you know, and uh, we had the crimson mask going on, and I had to be carried out of the ring. And it was funny because people when they saw me in the ring, they always used to laugh and be like good times. But then they went dead silent. When they saw me oh, bleeding no. in the ring, you know, it was just like, I was carried away. It, it was weird atmosphere change. That's how the feud started and ended up going to a match, which I lost. But yeah, I lost by this. No, I didn't lose by this collision. He like, he cheated somehow. I can't remember detail. I think it's like eye poke or low blow or something. And he won. Oh. So then I challenged him. I said like, okay, we have this show called Talvisota, which means winter war. And that's the WrestleMania of Finnish wrestling, the biggest show of the year. So I challenged him, like, okay, let's finally finish. It's been going on for a year. Let's finish this in Talvisota 10. Mikko Maestro and Heimo the Wild Man. Two men walk in, one man walks out. Last nice. man standing match. And then that's what it was. And it was just the greatest feeling. There was 500 people in the crowd. And this the biggest crowd we had for years. Biggest crowd uh, we had in Finland during the time I'd been there. It was in Kisahalli, which is a uh, sports hall in Tölö. I used to live, like... You could walk to my um, childhood home in 15, 10 to 15 minutes. And I used to play basketball in that court where we had set up the ring. It's like homecoming. I'm wrestling there, the fans going wild. My first uh, last man standing match, end up winning that match, you know, the crowd going, you know, crazy. And man, it was just a good feeling. It's just a great feeling. He's a great talent, you know. And mm -hmm. like, uh, those who don't know Heimo, he's result, I think, in 17 countries, if I'm correct, all the way to Japan. and. Even some weird, weird small place like 
he wrestled in Poland, you know. I didn't even know there was wrestling in Poland before he went there, which right. actually was the first ever wrestling show in Poland. So there wasn't before, nice, before he was there. And then, of course, uh, I had some great matches with Starbuck. And there's one of them you can find on YouTube. I don't, uh, for those who are listening, I don't have too much material on YouTube. And the main reason is because I prefer it being edited, you know, and like really like high quality stuff when it's there. And I try to avoid having like those still camera, you know, video shoots. And even if it's a good match, that's when I talk about the promoting, you know, it's not just promoting me, it's promoting wrestling in general, especially when it comes to Finnish wrestling and people haven't maybe heard about it and then they see it. And if it's just like uh, match film on, on a phone, you know, and sometimes it might be against the wall that you can't even see the crowd or whatever. Right. So I always wanted to have like those big matches and not just not just good matches, but great production, you know, matches. And like the last standing match, I wish it was there, but uh, the footage got like broken, if I'm correct. They, they were going to release on DVD, but you know, it's not lost, but it's some sort of ghost figure going on. I don't know what it really means, but you know, but they said it's unwatchable. So I never oh, seen no. the tape. But yeah, so there's one match uh, for all you fans can look at. If you just write there, Mikko Maestro versus Starbuck, it's on the FCF Wrestling uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I think it has like over 12,000 hits by now. So it's like... No, I was just watching it before before we did the interview. So. Oh, oh yeah. great. So, so I mean, yeah, I think that tells that it's like uh, other people than me, you know, have enjoyed it too. So you know, hopefully all of your listeners see it and enjoy it. It's a very old Definitely, school man. match. You know, I was trained by Starbucks old school guy. And that's the same way way I am because he trained me. So, right. So talk about um, taking that chance on yourself and moving to the states, man. How old were you when at that time, and did you have any reservations about it? Were you nervous? Well, I had been wrestling in states a couple of times before. Uh, I think three times in the Bay Area, uh, touring there. You know, uh, as I mentioned, Hootsam, and one 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 time I went all the way to Las Vegas. There's. Uh, uh, Sin Body was running the Freak Show Wrestling in Lucha Libre Las Vegas. Had it one weekend over there, which is like, very exciting. I've never been in Vegas in my whole life. Uh, and then one time I was in New England, Massachusetts. Mm, I'd never been in Oregon. So uh, out of life situations, or or how, how do you say it, uh, Oregon was the place for me, place to be. You know, when I went to move in the yeah. States, I didn't move to California. Uh, one of the reasons, it's very expensive. So all <laughs> Americans know it, it especially the Bay Area. If you want to go there and do pro wrestling for a living, oh, it's that's a tough spot to be on, you know. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's just like I think it was natural development. I could have kept going. There was talks of me wrestling in a couple other countries, which most likely will happen when I'm going back to Europe or visiting Europe. Because those wrestling isn't that big in Europe, except for like UK and Germany. So I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to go too much detail about it. So. Those promotions, they can't fly me all the way from the States to wrestle. So if we get the Dutch uh, um, line up, you know, I, you most likely see me wrestling in other other countries that I haven't been on. But, you know, we'll see as time shows. But in, in the States, there's so much more wrestling, you know, it's and uh, I can drive everywhere. Like, you know, I'm in Oregon, but I can still drive all the way to the Bay. It takes forever, but, right. you know, it's uh, but you got to do what you got to do, you know, and uh, you know, you can do a couple of shows, you know, to make it worth it, and some shows by itself, you know, like all pro wrestling, you know, it has some big names and big production value. It's always a great time to go there or Hootslam. So definitely, man. Uh, so but, you yeah, mentioned uh, you mentioned that you wrestled in seven different countries. 
Can you share some road stories, whether with some famous people that we might know in the States or like just in general that are radio friendly? Yeah. So, uh, let's see if I can like count them all, you know, if somebody's interested. So I was in Finland, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, United States, and Netherlands. Yeah, wow. that's uh, usually I'm, I'm missing one or two. I'm thinking like, where was the uh, Netherlands? Not bad, man. That's good. Yeah, so uh, never was in UK. There was two times that it got closed, but you know, out of life situation, it hasn't happened yet. So those seven countries, and I mentioned before that I want to tell you the story about me wrestling in Germany and how the wrestling business is. So I contacted the promotion that has been booking a couple of Finnish wrestlers there every now and then. And then they sent me an email a couple of months after. They said like, oh, sorry, it took us a while to answer. We talked with, uh, you know, who else? Hey, Mo the Wild Man, you know, who was, was their champion at the time. And they said like, yeah. yeah, he sees a lot of potential in you. As, as I told, he had seen me in, in Finland too. <laughs> like he went to the feud. So yeah. they said, we have seen your stuff. We'd like to be you to be on the show. The problem is nobody knows who Mikko Maestro is. There's no market for Mikko Maestro. And, you know, we want to try the market, have it once here, but you know, if it fails, you know, you know, they know how it's going to go. So they said they had a plan. They said, can you wrestle as Mikko Swagger? And they said like that the email, we think you kind of look like Jack Swagger. So we'd like to market you as being Jack Swagger. Okay, I can see it, cousin. I can see it. Yeah, Jack Swagger's third cousin from Finland. And they like, nice. yeah, just do the Patriot vlog and promote it with the people and all that skit. And I was like, of course I'll do it. I mean, like, I, I don't want to be a Jack Swagger impersonator. That's like not my career goal, but you know, I never wrestled in Germany, so you have to take out chance you can. I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. I go there. And it was funny because when it was the halftime, the promoter came to say like, oh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to have halftime. Uh, go meet the fans. There's a lot of kids waiting to see Mikko Swagger. And I was like, okay. So in Germany, in that crowd, uh, there was a lot of, lot of kids watching on that show. And they came and uh, some of them, they had to translate. They only spoke German, so their parents would talk to me. And they asked me very personal questions about how Jack Swagger is and when was the last time I met him. And like, oh no! So I had to make up all these stories on top of my head, you know, because that's what I was paid to do. I was paid to be Mikko Swagger, Jack Swagger's third cousin. That's great. To this day, I have never met him. So, you know, I, I have no idea how he's in person. But, you know, I said that he's very humble and nice, nice guy. He might not always seem like that on television. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, awesome, yeah, that was, that was funny. And it actually, I was wrestling in Denmark after that. And uh, this is another Jack Swagger, like small Jack Swagger story. Uh, they had a quiz masters on the card. I'd never met him before I came because you go to the locker room, you introduce yourself. I was going to shake his hand. I didn't have a chance to say my name or anything. So, uh, but he, he comes, he shakes my hands like, and his words are, oh, we have some Jack Swagger thing going on over here. And he shakes my oh. hand and walks away. I didn't have a chance to say who I was, where I was from. That's his first look at me, shook my hand. That's what he thought. I walked away. That's awesome. We talked later on the show and, you know, and I probably introduced myself and asked for some advice and so, but. I thought it was funny that that's all he saw. That's all, you know, like, I mean, maybe just a sense of humor, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's funny. And like, like I said about promoting yourself. And so it, you might end up in really funny situations. You know, I heard that especially uh, there's a promotion in, in UK where they rebrand all the wrestlers. They never use your real name because in case you get big, you know, they want to have like your, 
you know, different name on it. Like, let's say PN News, who was a star from ECW and WCW. Yeah. When he was over there, he was called the American Avalanche. Throughout the rest of his career, when he wrestled in all, all star wrestling, he was always American Avalanche or just Avalanche. And that's how that's how they are. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's that's that, that's the story. I hope, hope you enjoyed that. I, I, that's I, awesome, man. I thought about so it. You mentioned, you mentioned advice. What's the best piece of advice that you've received since being in, the, in this business? Uh, man, I think it's like go go with your strengths, you know. Like, of course, when you're training, you want to, like, uh, focus on your weaknesses so you get better. But, you know, once you get in front of the crowd, uh, we actually talked before this, we started recording about some wrestling moves, like, I'm not the kind of guy who would do a shooting star press, and I doubt, I doubt I'll ever do it, you know. But then figuring out, I never have to do it. There's something else that I can provide. There's, especially, you know, current on the independent scene here in the States, I'm the only Finnish wrestler. So I'm always, I mean, you can all hear my accent, so I can, I can never hide that. But, you know, I just try to right. get some Finnish words into it. Or, you know, when I'm cutting promos, I tell about some really Finnish stuff. Like, for example, we eat reindeer meat. And especially on Christmas time, it gets some weird reactions from the crowd because, you know, yeah. of the Santa and everything. But that's a, that's a real story. You know, it's like something that I have to have, you know, I have that no one else can provide. And that's, everybody has something. Just have to figure out what it is, you know. And um, it's really, it's kind of one thing I really like about wrestling in the States. It makes me stand out even more because in Finland, you're, our wrestlers are, are Finnish, but here you're the only one. And I used to get spray time for my matches, but I don't know if you heard about this wrestler, Robbie Brookside. His daughter yep. was wrestling in WWE, so we had yep. Robbie Brookside training us for one weekend in Finland. And uh, he he said, uh, when he was watching our show, he asked, like, why do you put on a spray tan? And I was like, oh yeah, like, you have to look good for the crowd and all that. He's like, but you guys are Finnish wrestlers. Like, you know, how do they know you're Finnish? Like, the, the sun is not up. Like, it's not like nobody's tan when you walk down the streets. Like, if you think about Seamus, Seamus doesn't have a spray tan. So, right. uh, it's funny, I thought about that, I uh, talked about that with my coach, Starbucks, because he was like a spray tan kind of guy. Like, of course you can spray tan, look as good as possible. And, and so, and Starbucks told me, like, Miko, there's only one Seamus, and everybody else gets spray tans. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, here on the States, you know, when I think about it, I'm always the palest, palest guy in the locker room. So, uh, one time, if uh, when I was uh, even in another wrestling seminar, the coach said like, "So Icelandic guy, you look confused, you know." So immediately he could connect that I'm somewhere else. Like, like he didn't guess Finland, but you know, because the accent, everything he thought I was from Iceland. So, yeah. So it's uh, that. That's what I'd like to say for all of you who want to be wrestlers. You know, it takes a while to learn the ropes, and it takes a while to figure out what's you and uh, what you can provide and what are your strengths. But once you find it, it's it's great ride. It's such a good time. You know, just like because you realize that you can be yourself. You can do you. You know, and you don't. It becomes more natural. And it's. Uh, I think, like I said, wrestling is more real than you think. Then the crowd can feel it. You know, that that's how they get more real. Is more they can feel it. Less I have to act Jack Swagger's third cousin. More I can be Mikko Maestro. Then more we can get out of it. You know, so. Definitely. Now you've been wrestling for over ten years, um, all over the all over the country. What's your goals for twenty twenty one? Do you hope to go to AEW? Do you hope to go to Impact? WWE maybe? Where do you see Miko Maestro? At? 
definitely I feel like now I have the chance for a lifetime to wrestle and make it in the big companies, you know, since I'm already already here, you know, and, you know, they don't have to fly me all the way from Finland yeah. or visas and whatever. But uh, like I said, there is, I don't want to jinx it, you know, there's might be something already like planned, but, you know, like I don't want to go on details and, you know, and uh, wrestling business is full of empty promises. So you never know what's, what's actually going to happen. When, but that's yeah. the thing, like once one door closes, another one opens. Uh, there were lots, lots of going on before the pandemic. Uh, one of the local promotions that I wrestled at, Blue Collar Wrestling, had just started doing TV shows like three months before the pandemic. And that was great, you know, wrestle on a weekly basis and watch yourself on a local channel, you know, wrestling on TV. Pretty I cool. mean, yeah. wrestling on Twitch and YouTube, it's great. But yeah. I grew up watching it on TV. So for me, it was a big deal to be on television. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely I want to wrestle in Canada. That's like something that I, I might like say like here. Uh, I feel confident about a lot, a lot of other things, but I prefer, you know, hold the cards in my own hand, you know, before giving them out, you know, for free. Of course. But yeah. uh, I'm so close to the border. Once, you know, the traveling, you know, becomes more safer and all that, you know, Canada. Canada is the place to be. It's going to be the eighth country where Rick Masters going to wrestle, unless That's somebody awesome. else catches me before that. But yeah. That's great, man. So how do you balance professional wrestling with, uh, with work, with family, with relationships? Do you ever find that healthy balance? Uh, I think now, throughout the years, I've found it better. Um, one thing that was really unfortunate is, because I really wanted, you know, of course I, I want to make it. I want to make wrestling big in Finland too. So uh, a lot of times I would contact some of my friends, and the only reason I would contact them is trying to sell tickets to the shows, you know. So it really like started hurting my friendship too, you know, because it's always wrestling and all about that. And when I was going out, I would always meet people who I never heard of wrestling. So I would always go through the same things and be like, oh, isn't it just, just a fake fake fight or whatever who watches that and, you know, whatever. And, you know, going through the same conversation, it's kind of like, uh, it's really like, it's exhausting, you know, saying it. But, you know, like, also you're passionate about it, so it's not that exhausting, you know. So, I don't know, I, I think once you find, like, your routines, like working out and, uh, dieting isn't actually too bad because it becomes a lifestyle at some point. You know, it's just like right. when you're already used to it, like making your meals and planning it. So I think stuff takes time. Now, now I'm uh, the the problem I'm having now is like I feel like I'm working a lot. Uh, uh, like for example, I have a dog, and my dog. Well, unfortunately, she's a husky lab, and that's quite a complication. Oh, no. She she's not a people person, so uh, right. she keeps yelling at the mailman, you know, and all that. So it's like. <laughs> Yeah, so, and I have to take care of her and all that, of course, but, you know, like, also, there's always something going on, but then, I, I just realized, actually, a couple of months ago, I sat down and I just played Nintendo, you know, because every now and then I enjoy playing some uh, video games myself, and I realized how relaxed I was, you know, it's hard for me to watch TV, I'm usually always have my Twitter on or something at the same time, I was multitasking, looking at my emails, even when I'm trying to, you know, relax, but then I realized, Playing video games sometimes just like, if especially when it's a hard game, it really catches my you know attention. I have to concentrate on it, and I felt so much better. So I've been trying now, maybe once a week or every other week, just sit down and play some Nintendo 64. If you remember that, it that's awesome, man. Really good wrestling so, games on it too, you know. So yeah. <laughs> so okay, so right now, I'm Mr. Man, I'm Miko. You have a dream match right now. I'm gonna make happen right now. Who is the dream match against 
you cut a promo on them right now and give a 30 second promo on who you're facing and what's going to happen can i can i say one more thing uh it's funny that uh if i can have one one minute before we start because my dream opponent if i think about right now is actually dr luther who is not a wwe superstar he signed aw but the reason is. is because some of my best matches i always had with my coaches when i came to oregon i was training with uh, dr luther before he got signed because luther and starbuck were friends from canada so that's one of my connections over here and i always think that you know we only locked up in the uh training hall but never in front of the crowd but i always had the best match against my coaches so that's why i they're great talent in wwe but i would have to say dr luther now and you can be Vince man all you want but i just that would, would do, that's that's the match that's, that's what i'm saying that's okay that's the mindset i'm on right now so okay should i start Let's start. 30 seconds and go. Okay. Listen to me, Mr. McMahon. I am Mikko Maestro, the Finland's finest. I've been on seven different countries and I have something that nobody else has. It's not only my accent. It's not only my size 13 boot. It's the talent. It's the smile. It's the moves. And you know what? There's one man. There's one man who is as crazy as me. He doesn't eat reindeer meat. But yes, I've seen him dipping his french fries into the gravy. And that man is Dr. Luther, also known as Luther, as well as also known as Lenny St. Clair. And I'll tell you, if you put that match, it doesn't matter if there's no crowd, if there's a sold out crowd, that match is gonna be money. That match is gonna be American dollars. That match is gonna be all the way to euros from European Union. You're gonna have all the money. So you're gonna connect fans from Switzerland and Netherlands. And of course, from my whole country, Finland. We have five and a half million Mikomaniacs waiting for that match. They wanna see it. They wanna see it on WrestleMania. They wanna see it on the house shows. They wanna see it on Hartwell Arena, Helsinki, Finland, where you brought your WWE superstars back in 2003. 2004 when i was in the crowd and i saw the undertaker and i saw rick flair but now those guys are gone who's gonna be who's gonna be there next you can't bring ludwig borga back from the dead but you can bring miko maso and miko mania all over the world Woo! miko on fire man miko i want to thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it man and uh yeah thanks for getting completely damaged man yeah thank you for having me i had a great time awesome so uh ladies and gentlemen remember don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on MakaRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Thanks, man.